Hey there, Koejo here, and I understand that running your own Facebook ads can be quite complicated and intimidating, and yet, at this point, you're not ready to hire out Facebook ad management. So, if this is you, I can teach you how to run your own Facebook ads. One-on-one, -on -one, unlimited support over the next 28 days. We will have three Zoom calls, and in between those calls, you get all the support and all my strategies I will audit your graphics, your ad copy, make sure that you're set up the way that's working best for my clients. We'll take care of all the analytics. I will coach you step by step how to troubleshoot ads, how to know when to scale, and how to read all the signs so that you're equipped to run successful lead magnet campaigns and profitable sales campaigns and registration campaigns for your launch or what have you. If you need this kind of support from me right now, then click the link in the show notes below. It's the art of online business forward slash call. I've been doing this all along, but now the offer is just focused on helping you run your successful ad campaign within the next 28 days and the next five people get a pretty nice discount. All right, the link is in the show notes below. Back to the episode. Hey, my friends, before we get into today's episode, in talking with so many of my students and you all in my audience here over the past few weeks or so about how you're handling these turbulent and uncertain times that we're in, it's super clear that we need each other, right? And that's really no different than other times, but especially now, it's so clear that we need each other. We need group connection and support. We need mentorship and guidance. We need a 90-day plan for our business. We need innovative ideas for how to maybe pivot our offers, our messaging. We need coaching in the process. And so I've thought a lot about this and how I can best serve that purpose and meet those needs. And so I've created an eight-week group coaching program called The Strategy Sessions. For those of you who need to huddle together to create an action plan for your business, who need support and to be able to act as powerful leaders that you are in your business in the midst of increased uncertainty that we are in. It's eight weeks of weekly group classes and coaching and a members-only Facebook group, and it's designed with you and your business right now in mind, okay? So over the eight weeks, topics are going to include things like managing your CEO mindset, creating a 90-day plan for business growth right now, planning for productivity, how to pivot your messaging and your offer fast, how to navigate crisis and the money chaos today, email copy that sells with service and love and a whole lot more, okay? In addition to myself, you're also gonna be learning from guest experts who will also be teaching these classes. So you can go to rickmulready.com forward slash strategy sessions to register for this new eight-week group coaching program. It's available to the first 50 people. First come, first serve. Once we fill that up, boom, it's filled and we're diving in. Again, it's rickmulready.com forward slash strategy sessions. Go there to register for this new program. I am pumped about it. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Art of Online Business Podcast. My name is Rick Mulready and I'm an online business coach. Facebook and Instagram ads expert, lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm a total coffee snob as well. Each week, you're going to learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips that take the guesswork 
out of growing and scaling a profitable online business so that you can truly become an entrepreneur with impact. This podcast is your secret weapon for fast-tracking the growth of your online business. Let's do this. Hey, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Rick Mulready here. Hope this finds you and your loved ones well and safe. And you're hanging in there during these times. I know that we here, I mean, much like many of you guys, we're staying home. <laughs> we're not doing anything. I'm taking Maya out for walks. Amy takes Maya out for walks during the day. We call it exploring because she, she just walks around the neighborhood and picks up rocks and stuff like that. Her eyes are constantly scanning. It's amazing to watch her take in the world. It's so cool. But we're doing really well here. I hope that you all are doing well as well. You're doing well as well. And so today, my friends, returning guest, and she wasn't on the podcast very long ago. And this was really the intention all along, but we've kind of shifted the topic a little bit here today to include how she has been dealing with the uncertain and turbulent times that we're in right now. Because since she was last on the podcast a little while ago, obviously a lot has changed. And Jamie, Jamie Sears is in the teaching space. She serves teachers in grades two through five. And as you know, just, I mean, schools are closed. Teachers are having to really scramble. They've had to really scramble to figure out how best to serve and teach their students during these times. And so we're going to talk a lot about that today here with Jamie, uh, specifically how she's dealing with and listening to her audience and her students right now and listening to her community and just quickly acting to serve them as best that she can. And her business is doing quite well right now. And she talks openly about that and, and also how she's dealing with feeling bad around making money right now, considering the the times that we are in. So we, we talk a lot about that here today. Okay. And the original topic that I was going to have her come on and talk about, we do dive into a lot of that today. And that is how to grow Facebook groups for your business and, and increase engagement. Jamie, between she has four Facebook groups. And between her four Facebook groups, she has 161,000 people between her four Facebook groups. It's the largest educational community on Facebook. And so we dive into things like how she created her Facebook groups and why she created them, why crickets in your Facebook group is totally normal. This is something I hear from people all of the time. Like, is this okay? Like, why is this happening? Uh, we talk about, again, how she's listening to her community right now and pivoting and quickly acting to serve them. And then Jamie breaks down seven different types. What types of posts that promote the most engagement for her groups? And she says there's seven types. And she breaks each one of those seven types down for you, how to increase your engagement in your Facebook group or in a Facebook group that you have for your business. Maybe you have multiple Facebook groups. And so we dive into all that here today with Jamie Sears. Such a good episode with Jamie as always. So without further ado, let's dive into it with Jamie Sears. Jamie, welcome back to the podcast. We were supposed to talk about Facebook groups. We are going to talk about Facebook groups. We have so much to talk about today though. <laughs> We've been scheduled for a while to talk Facebook groups because you, out of most everyone I know, well, you have one of the biggest groups in all of education, right? On Facebook? 
Well, we actually have four Facebook groups. And when you add them right, together, we have, yeah, combined, we have the biggest education Facebook group communities. Period. In education. Sorry. In education. Yeah, in education. No, period. Well, no, I mean, that's what I meant. <laughs> I meant period in education. Okay. Yes, in education. So much to dive into today. For those few people in my community who are living under rocks who do not know who Jamie Sears is, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Who are you, Jamie? What do you do? How'd you get here? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Jamie Sears, and I'm the founder and CEO of Not So Wimpy Teacher. And I'm a former elementary school teacher, and I help teachers in grades two through five to deliver engaging and effective lessons in the classroom. And I help them to do this without a lot of overwhelm and stress. And that has kind of all changed recently because they're not actually in the classroom. So now they're delivering these engaging and effective lessons from the comfort of their home. And I'm yes. helping them to do that too. So we did a, a very recent episode where we talked all about your entrepreneurial journeys. We're not going to get into all that today. Guys, if you've not yet heard that episode with Jamie, make sure you go back. It's not that long ago. Like I said, we had originally already had this plan to talk about Facebook groups and, and how to create engaging Facebook groups and all this. And we're going to talk about all that. I also, Jamie and I are going to talk about, you know, just the current state of affairs and what's going on. And, and being in the teaching space is a unique space right now because all the teachers are having to figure out work from, or excuse me, teach from home solutions and all that stuff. So, and you've done an also an amazing job of adapting really quickly. What has worked for you really well during this time? What's allowed you to do that? Well, my Facebook groups, first of all, yeah. I know exactly what my audience feels. I know exactly what my audience is thinking. I know exactly what my audience needs because they're in my Facebook groups telling me. And so this allows me to know what content to create. I've put out a lot of content in the last two weeks and it was all based on questions from my Facebook groups. I've put out new paid resources in the last two weeks and it was all based on questions in my Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of being able to adapt. And honestly, adapting was hard has been hard for me because yeah. I am a planner and I had a plan for this entire year and I knew exactly what content I was going to put out. I already batched all my blog posts and podcasts actually, and it makes no sense to use them right now. So mm -hmm. I have all this batched, beautiful content ready to go. And I am just having to get up every day and get to work and make different things and go with the flow, which is hard for me. Yes. So many people can relate to this. I think fewer people can relate to having so much content batched out, which I am aspiring to do. But you mentioned before we get going recording here and you just touched on it right there. You're a planner. Like last December, you were planned out for the entire year of 2020. Now, what I'm trying to do here is put some reference in these conversations and talk about the dates that we're recording this. So we're recording this today on March 24th, Tuesday, March 24th. And so you were here in San Diego for the Accelerator Retreat two, just under two weeks ago, and things were just starting to come to, things were just ramping up right at that time. And with the teaching community, they weren't really sure what was going on as far as being sent home or all the you know, schools were closing. There was a big panic in the teaching community. And, and frankly, there, you know, there still is, but what, what you mentioned earlier was, before we started recording, was that the panic is starting to come down. They're starting to figure out like, all right, this is, what, this is how we're going to deliver content and so forth. What are you seeing on that, on that end? 
Yeah, right when I got back from San Diego, that weekend was insane. It was when schools were really just getting word that they were closing down for at least three weeks, some of them the rest of the school year. We're still, yeah. we're still unsure how long. Right. And so there was immediate panic. My groups were blowing up with teachers going, oh, I don't even know what to do. What do I send home? What do I email? What do I tell my parents? What do I tell my students? I don't know what to do. Lots of panic. And yeah, it's now been about a week and a half and we are noticing a little bit less. We're noticing more of like, I did my first lesson on Zoom and it actually went well. Maybe I can do this. Or, you know, I, I recorded my screen today using a free software. Maybe I can learn a new thing. Maybe this technology isn't so scary. We are seeing that. When we still have some panic, we still have some uncertainty for sure but it's starting to get a little bit better as people are pushing past their comfort zone, learning some new tools, new technology, new resources. And I think that once they start implementing it, they are going to feel a little more at ease with teaching remotely. Yeah, we've noticed it. And I don't know guys, if everybody listening right now who uses Zoom, I mean, today's a Tuesday, just yesterday and today, we've noticed that Zoom has been a little, a little wonky. And uh, I don't know if it was you on the call yesterday, or somebody said that a lot of the teachers are using Zoom to deliver their lessons. And so, and I know, and, and so many other businesses and industries are jumping on too. So people are getting it. The panic is starting to come down a little bit about what they're going to do to deliver that content and so forth. And you mentioned that you're listening in your groups. First of all, how many people combined between your four groups? 161,000. 161,000. That's massive. So you and your team are in there listening, which we should all be doing with our customers, with our audience in general, whether you have a Facebook group or not. Guys, this is, you know, I mean, we should be doing this anyway, but we should now more than ever be listening to our audience. What do they need? What do our customers need? How can we serve them? What you were doing... Jamie just said just two weeks ago. So today's the 24th of March. Our retreat was the 12th and 13th. So that was just under two weeks ago. What we were doing two weeks ago in our business is probably going to look very, you know, different than what we're doing right now. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get to make shifts very quickly to be able to serve the people that we're able to serve. So what types of things were coming up for your audience and what were some of the trends that you were seeing that you and your team were able to kind of jump on pretty quickly? And part two to that question, because you guys are so planned, you're very planned on what you're doing, when you're doing things, but also your team is very planned out as far as, oh, this is the team's working on these things. How have you kind of shifted resources accordingly? Yeah, we have made big shifts. First of all, I have a community manager. It is primarily her job to be in our Facebook groups, but at a time like this, she can't handle it alone. And there's just so much value in our groups that we can give. So everyone on our team is putting in time in the Facebook groups. It's not just Lindsay's job. It's our team's job. So we're all spending time there, but right away we started to hear the panic of, I don't know how to deliver lessons on video. And as entrepreneurs, maybe we are better at that. And I started thinking, I've made a course before. I'm not shy about the camera and I have a microphone and lighting and even a backdrop that's good. And I was like, I could totally teach online. So I recorded myself. I taught two weeks of writing lessons and I recorded myself and I gave them to teachers as a lead magnet. And it was very, very well received in my groups. 
I helped them to figure out how to assign it to their students in Google Classroom. And now I'm teaching their students writing for two weeks and it took pressure off of them. Yeah. But then after I gave them that freebie, after I let them in on it, I said, okay, but you could also teach online. So just today I went live on my Facebook page and I screen recorded myself using Zoom to record myself. So that was special. That's super meta. Uh-huh. It was, it was really fun, but I told them how to do a Zoom meeting. I showed them how to set up their account so that their students can't all talk at the same time. And I showed them how to use the raise a hand feature and the things they would need to know. And now I'm telling them like, okay, like I got you through two weeks, but look, you could get on Zoom and now you can do this. And that was well received. So at first I feel like we needed to just give them a resource to calm some of their nerves and give them mm. time. Now they yeah. have a little more time and they're like, okay, this is going to last longer than we thought. I better figure it out myself. Yeah. What about sales have been good for you during this time? And, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. This is something that you brought up on our, on our call the other day. This been a little uncomfortable for you. You're not alone in this. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are in this boat right now. And this sort of feeling like a little bit of a little bad that sales are good right now. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it is feel a little bit uncomfortable. Sales are good. Um, We've listened to our audience and we've created more resources for them. We took a lot of our paper resources and we're madly transferring them into more of a Google Classroom friendly resource that they can use remotely. And we always wanted to do this. It was always like on our list of, yeah, we should do that. But this forced us to do it quickly. We've hired VAs and we've just gotten to it. So sales have been good because I'm giving them what they need during this time. I'm listening Mm -hmm. to what they need and I'm creating it and they already like my resources. So now I can make them a Google version and they're happy. And it felt a little bit weird for me to do so well. We are going to meet our quarter one goals. We're going to exceed them actually. So that's great, but it does feel a little uncomfortable because other people are being financially hit Mm -hmm. during this time. So it's not like something I want to go and like advertise, like I'm making money during this time, because it, it does, it feels a little bit weird, but I also know how important it is for the economy that if we, if none of us make and spend money, then we're going to continue right. to hurt the economy. It's going to take a lot longer for us to recover. So I do know the value of what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're serving this such an amazing audience who is in huge need of what you're you're making their life easier. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot you know, it's that ripple effect, right? You're helping the teachers and you're indirectly helping all those students. I love that concept. And when we think about it from that perspective, it's so cool. I also feel like it's a little bit easier because I gave first. I made a free resource. I gave it to them. Mm -hmm. And then I created something that was paid. It wasn't expensive. I created something that was paid. I sent it to my email list. It was just a sales pitch email. I literally just told him like, I created this resource. It might be helpful for you because it can be sent via Google Classroom. It was a $6 resource. I received about a hundred replies saying, thank you for creating that. I didn't ask them to reply. It was just a sales email. And they don't usually yeah. reply back to thank right. me for <laughs> selling to them. Right. That was unusual. I only got four who replied back saying, you obviously don't care about us if you would try to sell to us right now. And I'm not going to lie. Like those four were so painful to me. Yeah. And it's funny how as humans, we can let four people complaining trump hundreds thanking yeah. you. Yeah. But they did. They got me down for a little bit until I was like, okay, it's time to get real. I've helped a lot of people. And those four just weren't, they weren't my ideal customer right now. Sure. And yep. I had to move on. 
but it's hard to push the send button on emails where you're selling right now. It's hard, but it's necessary. Yep. So this has been the first week and a half, two weeks where you've been very fluid listening to your audience, things, you know, the panic has started to come down a little bit. What's happening right now, you know, on Tuesday, March 24th, as that panic has come down a little bit, you're very fluid in, in serving the audience, listening to them. It's kind of like, where are things at right now? We are still madly putting out resources that they need, blog posts they need. We are still spending more than our allotted time in groups and working in general. But we made a decision and I told my team this and we're all in agreement that we are going to do this until Friday. We are reacting to their panic Mm -hmm. and we are working overtime to answer those fears. And we're gonna allow ourselves to work from this place of of a little bit of chaos until this Friday. And then we are gonna go back to something that is a little closer to our old routine. Everything can't be the same that I planned back in December. We'll still have different content that needs to be created, but we're going to start focusing on the course that we're launching this summer. And we're going to start trying to train our audience that it's okay during this time home for them to learn things other than just how to teach remotely. And we think that's our job to try to get out of the place of operating in a panic mode so that we can help our audience to do the same. So we gave ourselves two full weeks of just plowing through this, putting stuff out madly. But next week we're back to our usual work hours. And although we might have to create different types of resource and content than we had planned, mm-hmm. we, we will have a better work life balance starting next week. So talk about that a little bit. You've had some challenges finding your own time for you. And I think a ton of people can relate to this right now. You run a very successful business from home. You have four kids. Five. I have five. Five kids. Sorry. (laughs) Five kids. And uh, are you guys self-quarantining there in Arizona? Yes. It's a a sort of. We are. This year's family is quarantined. All right. That's good. You guys are self-quarantining. Five kids running a very successful business from home, doing all the stuff that you're talking about. Normally, as we talked about in the last episode, your whole goal has been, and what we, one thing we've worked together and you've been really successful doing is growing the business while working no more than four hours a day. That's not the case right now. And one thing that you said that you've mentioned is that, you know, it's been hard to find that balance for yourself, meaning just like, hey, how do I take a break? Because it's, I can't turn it off. Everything's, you know, what, what are you doing on that front right now? And it's so important. Yeah, it's tough because when you work at home, and then you're told you have to stay home, it feels natural to just work more because that's what you do at home. And that for me, I, when I'm at home, I'm pretty much working. And a lot of my hobbies are outside of the house. My hobbies are traveling. I like to go out to restaurants. I enjoy getting out of the house. That's how I get away from work. So I can't get out now. And so it, I'm working more hours, not even just because I have to, but because I can, because here I am, I might as well. Yeah. And I gave myself permission when I set that goal of 20 hours per week, I said 90% of the time. Yep. So I've had to take two weeks where I'm not working 20 hours per week. And I feel good about it because I know that I'm serving my audience in amazing ways. And when I go to bed at night, I feel really proud of what I've done, but I do need to take care of myself. And I do have five kids home every day, all day. They're outside until this interview is over. Cause I could not trust them to be quiet. So they're like sitting outside waiting for the 
all clear to come back inside. So <laughs> open um, your window up and wave, wave the yes. flag. <laughs> yes. So I know that next week I have to do better and I'm, it's going to be tough for me because none of my hobbies I can do. So I'm going to have yeah. to come up with some new hobbies that new can hobbies. be done remotely. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be looking for new hobby ideas. Cool. Now, before we start talking about, you know, growing a Facebook group and engagement and all that stuff, I want to talk, talk, talk tactfully for a second. <laughs> How are you guys specifically like listening to your audience and kind of like, are you, do you have a system for keeping track of what people are asking for documentation? Like, what does that look like? Well, um, <laughs> I would like to say it's a super organized system, right? but it is not. You have 100,000 uh, people in the group or between your, all four of your groups. And like, yeah, that's, there's a lot going on there. How it normally works is that mm. Lindsay is our community manager. She spends a um, lot of time in those groups. And so on our once a week staff meetings, when she reports about Facebook groups, she lets us know if she's noticing a common problem theme or what have you. That way, when we're planning content, we can take those into consideration. Because we are all spending more time in Facebook and there's not just one person in charge of it, it's a little bit messier right now. And maybe we were learning we need to create a better system maybe a Slack channel or something that would be a little better of a system. But right now it is a series of group texts. So, you know what, we're just, it's a little bit messy, but it works. Yeah. Group text. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Josie in Nebraska wants is deeds, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Text, text that to Jamie. <laughs> text that to yeah. Lindsay. It's a bunch of screenshots. We're like, did you see this? Did you see that? What do you want to do about this? And you know what? It's working, but now that we've seen this, probably before the summer, we need to create a better system because teachers yeah. are also home during the summer. Totally. So yeah. maybe before then, we need to create a little better system of communicating about our Facebook groups to each other. But we are just doing group texts and a staff meeting. We mostly just talked about our groups and what they need. What your audience is talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you've been talking recently within our accelerator group and you've had some challenges over the past few months about engagement in the group not necessarily people in the group the engagement there but you guys as the admins of the group that your content hasn't necessarily been seen and so i want to kind of tease that for a second because you brought up something really really interesting before we hit record here that we're going to talk about that sort of qualifies that a little bit and puts things in perspective there. But we're going to table that for one second before we come back to it. How did you and why did you start building these Facebook groups? I had this idea of having a third grade teacher Facebook group where third grade teachers could join. So many of my resources were for third grade and I thought it might be interesting. But I remember bouncing this idea off my accountability partner and I'm like, but I don't even know what I would do inside this group. Like, I don't even know if it'd be worth my time. And she was very adamant, you need to do it, you need to do it. And you know what, Facebook groups hadn't quite taken off as much as they are now. Like now everyone's in like 300 groups, but yeah. this was back in 2017. So Facebook was just starting to push their groups model. And so I thought, why not, let's give it a try. And I started in April and by June teachers are out of school and it just, it was growing so fast. We were getting hundreds of requests for our group every single day. If we put up a post on our Facebook page saying we had a third grade teacher group, we had to spend the rest of the day letting people in the group because we didn't have a VA to help us. We were just doing it on our own. So we were like on family vacations. I'm like, oh, I got to sit and let all these people in this group because we do check to try to verify that they're teachers. We don't just like let everybody in. So there is a little bit of a checking and 
I thought that I could serve these teachers in a way that I can't on Facebook. And I, I love Facebook and my Facebook page. And the thing about it is that you don't get as much conversation. It's a lot of me talking to them. Yep. And it's not a lot of them talking to me or even them talking to each other. And so with a group, I was able to start conversations mm. that are harder to start in other social media. So now teachers are able to ask questions and get answers that I might not have the answer to. They might ask about a curriculum that I've never used. I can't help that teacher, but 10, 20, 100 other teachers jump in and give her suggestions because they've used it. So now the service that I'm offering is not just me telling them how to do things, but I'm now putting together a bunch of experts yep. so that they get lots of different ideas and feedback. And how then like four months later, I started yeah. three more because third grade went so well. So I was like, oh, let's do second, fourth, and fifth. So that was, the, <laughs> that was when it all got crazy. <laughs> so were you hoping just to duplicate what you'd started with the third grade group? You're like, hey, let's do it again. Let's just keep going. They kept asking. On my Facebook page, if I put up like, I have a third grade group, they'd be like, well, why don't you have a second grade group? And I'm like, geez, guys, this is a lot of work. But yeah. after a while, they kind of wore me down. So I started second and fourth. And then with fifth, I actually asked another person to come on as an admin with me to help mm -hmm. me because it was starting to get to be too much. Yeah. Um, so I co-lead the fifth grade group, which is great. And we thought, well, third grade's going really well. Why not offer the same opportunity to the rest of our audience? We serve grades two through five. I wouldn't create like a high school group. I'm currently being asked if I'll create a parents group. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I wouldn't create a group outside of my niche, but I was able to take my niche and break it down into much smaller yeah. groups where they could be better served because like what book to read in fifth grade is different than in second grade. Sure. Before you hired people to help you with that, how much time were you spending a day between once you had four groups in four months, like how much time are you spending a day at that point? I wasn't very consistent. So I can tell you like one day I might spend the whole day letting people in and go live and chat and then be like kind of MIA for the next week because I was mm -hmm. doing something else. So that's why we had to hire eventually was so that we could have better consistency inside of the groups. If I were currently to do this all by myself, it would be all day, every day job at this point with 161,000 people to serve. Yeah. So when you started it, obviously it looks different now, but when you started it, the goal was, okay, you want to create a, a community of third grade teachers to serve them, let people help each other. How are you showing up in the group? Because my guess is your goal at that point, correct me if I'm wrong, was to create that engagement, to create that community feeling. How are you showing up? Because I, I hear from so many entrepreneurs, and I've experienced this in the past as well, that they have a group, maybe there's a few hundred people in there, and they're asking questions, but the engagement is terrible. What was your goal there, and how were you showing up to create that engagement? Yeah, it's a really good question because honestly, if you start a brand new Facebook group, the odds that you're going to have crickets in there for a while are like 95%. So if you're having crickets in your Facebook group, then you're normal. And that's typical because you haven't built the trust and the community yet. So when we started our third grade group, it actually just took off really easily. And I don't know if it's just the time that I started up or what, but it just took off pretty easily. I would ask questions. They would answer. They would ask each other questions. But when I started the second grade group, it was nothing. Mm -hmm. I would ask a question. No one would answer me. No one asked their own questions. I was like, oh my goodness, what, 
what in the world? It's not like the third grade teachers. I was like, third grade teachers were more fun. What's wrong with the second grade teachers? <laughs> so what I did in that instance, I actually contacted a couple people from my community who are like super fans, people who are always commenting on my Facebook posts that I knew were second grade. And I asked, could you start posting some questions inside the group? Because I think people are a little shy. They're a little scared to get started and I'll keep posting questions. And then maybe if a few of you post questions, we can get them talking. And that's what I did. And it didn't take long at all before. If a few people start, then it, it's like gives permission to a few more. And after a while, now we're at the point where we're like, it'd be okay if they posted a tad less. Like I just, <laughs> I just checked. And in the last two weeks, so since the coronavirus school closings, basically in the last two weeks, oh no, this is just the last week, one week we have had 51,000 posts in our Facebook group with 205,000 comments. Wow. So they're chatty. <laughs> well, they need that community now more than ever. I mean, they normally yeah. need it, but now more than ever need that community, need that support. Yeah. We usually have about 130,000 posts in our group each month. And so we're definitely up. It's probably going to be double what it normally mm. is. But it's always active. There's always people asking questions. There's always people who need help. And I think that a lot of it is how we positioned the group. This is what the group is for. This is what we want you to do. We want you to come in here and ask questions. Here are some questions you might ask. You might ask, what's a great read aloud? What's your favorite website to use in math? How do you handle student behavior in your classroom? And by teaching them what you want them to do and how you want them to behave, then you will start to get more engagement. But over the years, I've discovered yeah. some things that are really important for posting and for, for keeping things engaged. But I think that's what we did in the beginning is we just really told them, this is what the group's for, so do it. When did you do that? Because that's such a, that's such a key thing there. You said is like, you're basically quote unquote training them how to use the group and what the group is there for. When, yeah. when, they, when they join the group or when are you doing that? I think you should do it right when you create the group. And if you can even do it by video, I feel like that's really awesome. If you can do it by video and also go ahead and write it. Some people will read, some people will watch yep. and make an announcement. I'm old. I started to say pin it to the top because back in the day, we didn't have announcements in groups. We pinned it, but yep. make an announcement so that it's the first thing they see when they come in the group and just really explain like your vision for the group and why you created it and what you hope they will get out of it. And then I think that it encourages people to get in there and have those conversations. What have you learned over the years to that's sort of adapted to that strategy? Well, we've really learned a lot about what we need to be posting and how often we need to be posting too. This was big. When we first created our group, it was inconsistent. Like I would post when something came to my mind and I didn't have a plan, mm -hmm. which is fine. It was a beginning project and I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't devoting a lot of time to it. But now that we realize that this community, it's beneficial for our community. Like they have each other. It's beneficial for us because it gives us the content that we need, but also we sell to our group. Yep. And so it's really important to us that we keep in front of the audience. There's some people yeah. who have Facebook groups and they just want to be the admin in the background, but we know that we need to be in the forefront. Like we need everyone who comes into our group to know who I am mm -hmm. and how to find my resources. And so we have gotten a lot more strategic about what we post, how often we post, 
so we have um, seven different types of posts that we currently use and some that we pretty much use almost every day. So, I mean, I'm happy to tell you some of the things that we're currently posting and what's really working for us, if that's. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of those things where, you know, people decide we're going to get to this question, but like they're deciding like, all right, should I have a group? I hear that they're, they're amazing things to do. Then there's people on the complete other side who, for example, have large groups and they're like, I want to close it down, <laughs> you know? And oh, I almost closed my group down, Rick. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want, I want to get to that because there's, you know, there's obviously pros and cons around it, Yeah. but what types of posts there, what types of things are you posting and how often that you mentioned seven different types that's like creating the most engagement for you. And it's most helpful for the community. Everyone shouldn't start a Facebook group. I think that that's true. Everyone shouldn't start a Facebook group. It's not one of those, like you have to have it or else your business is not going to, to move forward. But I do think it is just one of those tools that when you're ready and you create one and you do it right, it can be a huge difference in your business. Yeah. So um, things that, first of all, we post every single day in our groups once, but we are not opposed to posting twice a day, especially if we know our audience will be home all day. For teachers, that's typically the weekends, but now it's every day. So we will post at least once, but we are not opposed to posting more than once if we have more content to share. It's a little different than your Facebook page where you have to be strategic about what time you post and how often you post. And Facebook is kind of like keeping track of how good your each post is and to determine how much they put it out to other people. Facebook groups is a tad different the way Facebook groups work, as soon as someone comments, it pulls the post back up to the top. So you could put up five posts in a day and someone would only see one of them maybe mm. based on who's commenting. And so we do try it to post every single day because we want our posts to be pulled up to the top as often as possible. So we post every day, but my team works in the morning and teachers usually aren't home until the evening. We schedule all our posts and yeah. you know, just like with pages, people will say, oh, but if you schedule, you don't get as much engagement. Our thought behind this is you get a lot more engagement when you put consistent content up than when you just forget to post. So if we yeah. had to set a timer on our phone to post in the middle of making dinner and helping our kids with homework, we'd probably forget. We'll take our chances on scheduled content. We go ahead and schedule straight through Facebook. Yeah. So we do that Mondays. We schedule for the whole week and it doesn't take that much time. Once you can really get used to it, that does not take that much time. So some people are like, well, maybe I'll start a Facebook group when I can dedicate like five hours a day to it. Like that's not necessary. Yeah. The number one thing we post is questions, but the key is to make the questions super easy for your audience to answer. So you're not asking them to write a paragraph response. You are asking them to write one word or even just an emoji to respond. And then after a while you've trained them to do that, you can maybe get them to write two words, but you're training them and you don't want them to have to put too much time or effort into this. So you think about questions that every single person in your audience would have an answer to and you make it easy for them to answer. So my audience is teachers, an easy one. What is your favorite subject to teach? And then we'll put little emoji hearts of different colors. Like maybe red is math and green is reading and blue is writing and you know orange is science and then all they have to do is put the emoji heart some of them don't know how to find yeah. emojis so they write it out but you know either way we've made it super easy now all of them do have they, a favorite do they, subject do they write out blue heart emoji 
<laughs> no, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't quite do that, but they will just write what they, what they like. And some of them will write a whole essay. Some of them will get in there and be like, well, the reason I like science is, and they'll like really put well, an explanation. They're, they're teachers, of course. <laughs> but you have to remember your audience is really busy. They're, when they're sifting through Facebook, they're not always looking for your content. Yeah. They're usually using it as like stress relief and, and just like, I'm tired. I'm just flipping through here looking for pictures. So we, we make it so easy for them to respond. And the benefit is that the more they respond to us, the more they're going to see our posts because Facebook's like, oh, you like her posts? Let me mm -hmm. show you more. So yep. it might not seem like that's a valuable question to ask. What do we care what their favorite subject is? But it is. The more I can get them to answer questions for me, the more they're going to see some of these other posts I'm going to talk about. And some of them yep. are harder to get people to engage with. Sure. But this is the number one. So if we have a big promotion or something coming up, we'll just straight up put these easy questions into our group every single day up until that promotion so that we are getting as much engagement and interaction as we possibly can from our group. It might be oversimplifying. However, you're using Facebook's algorithm, if you will, in the groups for groups, the way that it's intended. And that comes from because you guys understand how it works. So many people don't understand this whole algorithm. Like, you know, the more engagement means your posts are going to be seen more stuff gets pulled to the top, et cetera. And so you're using it strategically while also adding a ton of value. Yeah, and then since we post as our page in the group, which whether you post as your page or not, it's a whole other like spiel, yeah. but we do post as our page. So even when people are just asking those simple questions that might not seem that valuable, you're adding them to your Facebook ads audience too. So mm -hmm. we can now send them ads to lead magnets and resources later that's just an extra added benefit yeah. that we discovered of these like super simple questions. And one day I just sat down and wrote like 50 of them and you can ask the same question. Like after 50 days, if you ask the same question again, because Facebook shows your posts to different people every time, right. going to be okay. Yeah. So I asked them like, how many kids are in your class or, you know, that sort of thing. And they love to answer it. How long have you been a teacher? That's another easy one. And, and like, yeah. it's like a competition. They want to be the one that either is the newest <laughs> or the oldest. So Oh, ask them where their alma mater is, where they went to college. We still get people who pull up that post to write it because oh, people really? are serious about where they went to college, we've discovered. <laughs> a lot so. of pride there. A lot of pride. Yeah. But these questions are huge. The other thing we post, so the second type of posts we like are tips. Tips are great because we're actually giving them value. So we take tips out of our podcast and our blog posts. So we already have curated. Maybe I shared four ways to practice vocabulary words. Well, I'll take one of those ways and be like, hey, here's a fun way to practice your vocabulary words. Throw it into a Facebook post in my group. They love this because they are getting value straight from that post. Mm -hmm. yep. It's a little harder to get engagement, but you can ask for it. If this tip was helpful, leave an emoji in the comments. Mm. Tell them to comment because yep. comments are so important. When they comment, the post gets pulled up to the top. So now more people get to see it. And I even tell my audience that. I said, the only way for more teachers to see this is if you comment. And then I get random emojis and fun gifts and stuff. And it pulls the post back up. So when I share these tips, I like to flat out tell them, comment. Tell me that this was helpful. Just put your favorite GIF in the comments. And then it's fun for you and your entire team to look at them later too. But I take those from content I've already curated for my blog, for my newsletter, for my podcast. It doesn't have to be all brand new stuff. They yep. didn't see it. People are like, but I already shared right, that with right, right. They yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. Third one, this one's really big with my audience, but I can see it really working with a lot of audiences. Give them 
suggested apps, books, websites. Within your niche, there are books that are great or podcasts that are great that don't, they aren't necessarily in competition with you, but add value to what you teach. So in my community, telling them about an app that their students could use, telling them about a book that was written for teacher professional development. They love this kind of thing. Yeah. They are, they're super excited about this kind of thing. And they feel like I'm giving them a lot of value by sharing this. Like, so the person took all this time writing the book, I share it and I'm just as cool as the author because I told them about it. (laughs) Of course. But again, ask them to comment. Yeah. So if you share your favorite book, say, well, what's your favorite book you've read recently? If you share your favorite podcast, say, have you listened to any other podcasts recently? You might not get as much engagement as those like cool heart emoji type questions. But remember every time one person comments, the whole post gets pulled up to the top. Honestly, I go in and comment. If I have to, I'll go ahead and comment. As yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I've got favorites. I'm, I'm not afraid to share them. I'm, Let me say the Art of Online Business podcast. Duh. <laughs> yeah, I don't tell teachers that, Rick, but I do tell all my entrepreneur friends. There you go. <laughs> the fourth one is super powerful. We actually get a ton of positive feedback from when we do this, and it's more important than ever now, is we give them positive pep talks. Mm. Just give them a simple mindset shift. And it can be based on things you've been seeing in your group. Like if you're seeing in your group, people complaining that their Facebook ads are getting denied, then you go in there and you give them a like, you know what? Not all my Facebook ads get approved, but when they do, I'm, it's really exciting because I know I get to serve my audience better. And I do this for my audience. I tell them like, yeah, I know that standardized testing stinks, but imagine how exciting it's going to be when we get the scores back and we see how much our students have grown. So I'm putting a positive spin on the things that they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I always get comments of like, thanks for reminding me. I needed to hear this. Yeah. 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 And if your group is getting a lot of negativity, sometimes this can help turn around some of those feelings of negativity to remind them of the positive sides of it. So don't forget to give them pep talks. Tell them that they're doing enough. They're good enough. Give yourself grace. Take care of yourself. They need to hear these things. Yeah. This one's super important and it's, I share freebies and lead magnets. I want, I mean, ultimately I want my Facebook groups on my email list. Facebook owns my Facebook groups Yeah, yeah. and they're not going to end them any day soon, but they control the algorithm. And even if the person in my group really wants to see everything I post, it's not easy. Yeah. So we share lead magnets again, though, when you share links, your posts aren't seen by as many people. So you have to get really creative about this. And we, as a team, have experimented a lot. There's a few things that have worked. First of all, tell them to comment. That's, I've said it before, but do it again. Mm -hmm. Like if you're sharing a link to something, tell them to comment. Be like, hey, I just created this free resource for you in the comments. Please tell me how you're gonna use it. Please tell me if you downloaded it. Please just put your favorite emoji. That's an easy one. The other thing we have done is we've said, we've told them all about this freebie and then we put the link in the first comment. It really works pretty well because now my post doesn't have a link, but mm-hmm. you do have to be watching it because after a few comments, the link is buried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start yeah. getting people going, where's the link? Right. And that's fine because remember, every time they comment, it brings it back up to right, the top, right. guys. So it's okay. <laughs> and so an accidental strategy we happened upon, we schedule our posts. And community manager scheduled a post where she was like, oh, I'll just put the comment in as soon as it goes up. But she was busy when it went up. So she had like a whole post, but no link. We had like 15 people comment like, where's the link? 
where's the link? Why did you put a link? So you know what? It just stayed up at the top for a really long time. But you can go back to a post after it's gotten a lot of engagement, edit it and throw the link in then. And since it's already gotten Uh, engagement, it tends to still do well because Facebook's like, oh, right. They like it. We'll keep showing it. But just remember that when you share a link to just be a little creative, ask them to comment, ask them to put something in those comments somehow. But you have to share lead magnets. You abs- We share them all the yeah. time. You yeah. don't just share once. I think that's a big problem people do in Facebook groups. They like share the lead magnet once and they're like, oh, I already told them about that. And we don't and, subscribe and to d- that. Right. And don't do it again because they think that they, oh, like, oh, they, they saw this. I don't yeah, want to. Everyone I, saw it. Yeah. No, not the, case. Not, the tr- not the case. We will share the same lead magnet over and over. We'll rotate. We have multiple lead magnets and we'll rotate, but we will share the ones that do the best. We'll share the most often. And every time we share it, we get new people thinking us for it. Remember, there's new people that come into your group all the time. Facebook shows your posts to different people every time. And some people saw it on their phone the last time you posted it, but didn't download it and save it on their computer or print it. So sometimes they need to see it more than once. So share those lead magnets every week. And then it kind of leads me to links to your weekly content. Mm -hmm. Again, links can be difficult, but... It's kind of like your email, like in order to get someone to open your email, you got to put like a really creative hook for the subject line. If you do that in your Facebook posts, it can have a similar type of reaction. Facebook is not showing your post to a lot of people because they want people to see on Facebook. But if your post is getting a lot of comments and engagement, then Facebook's like, eh, never mind. Everyone loves this. We're going to show it. We're going to, we're going to let people see this. So again, when you share links to your weekly content, if you can put fun hooks, if you can ask them to comment, if you can share stories the way you would an email and get them engaging, it'll keep bouncing up to the top. So you can share weekly blog posts or podcasts, but don't just be like, here's my new podcast because no one will comment and it will literally never get seen by anyone. So you do have to put a little bit of thought into that. And the last thing we share is that we occasionally put a post up that promotes a paid resource or offer. It's not like a daily thing. We definitely put more posts on our Facebook page that are promotional, but we do do them in our group. Mm-hmm. We can't spend this much time and effort on our group if we don't plan to pitch to them. Sure. That's yeah. all there is to it. I know some people do. I know some people are just like, oh, I don't want to ask them. I don't want to sell to them. But how we see it is we've given them this space. We gave them this group and we make it an amazing group. We patrol it for rule breakers and we take care of them in this group. So every now and again, I'm going to say, Hey, I have a really cool resource and I think it's going to help you. But again, we just have to get them to comment. Yeah, We have to. And I mean, sometimes we can flat out just ask them like, do you use this resource? Have you seen this resource? (laughs) Tell me what you think about this resource and just get them having a conversation. Mm. But the best thing about groups is when they start promoting for you. And this is what we realized right when we got the groups. We have a resource that teachers love to buy during the summer. It's centers. So they like to print it all during the summer, cut it all out, put it in cute containers with labels. It's just a teacher thing. They love containers and labels. What was happening, they were coming in our groups and posting a picture of their centers. Like, look what I'm doing today. I'm laminating. Look at my cute containers. And then people were like, what's in there? Tell me about that. And they started promoting for us. And so that means we don't have to put as many posts because they do it for us. Yeah. That's awesome. What I'm hearing there, the general theme, the consistent theme across everything you're doing 
is get people to comment. Yes. It's and that will, I, I feel like you try something and if it works, jot a note down about how can you, how can you do that again? And just, you know, a new way. Yeah. When we discovered they love to comment in emojis. Well, now we're just all about telling them to comment with emojis. Yeah. And you're, and you're doing that from watching, right? Mm -hmm. Just watching and observing and all right, what's working, what's not working. Look at your analytics, that sort of thing. Now, speaking of analytics, going back to what we talked about earlier, we kind of tabled for a little bit. We've been talking, you, me, and, and Scott, and the, the group and so forth, as far as you've had some challenges, or you felt like you've had some challenges in the past few months about your content as admins not getting seen as much. And it was almost like it was a, it was almost like you're getting penalized because your group is so big, right? And it's almost like, well, it's easier when the group is smaller. And you've been really working on this and it's, and has, you know, this been a frustrating thing. And, and especially where you go through the process of what you just mentioned there, which is obviously really effective, but you've kind of seen some things that weren't going as, as well as you'd hoped it would go, but you've also gained some unique perspective lately on that. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when you have a new Facebook group, honestly, it is easier for you to get seen. So you know, you see people complaining like, well, I only have a hundred people in my group. Well, that's an awesome opportunity to have a hundred people more likely to see your content. So it's not all bad to have a small Facebook group, but if you continue serving your group, it's going to grow. And that's what happened to us over the years. Our Facebook groups have grown to be fairly large and now it is harder for us to get seen. It used to be that we could just put up a post and a bunch of people would see it, but now we have yeah. to work a little harder. And as I told you what types of posts we put out, you can see that we put a lot of thought into how we're going to make people comment on every one of those posts. So we switched to posting as our page in December because we wanted to build up a Facebook ads audience from our group. Since you can't just choose your group as a Facebook ads audience, we've asked Facebook for that many, many, many times. And someday we will have that option. Someday, someday. We will be so excited, but we can't right now. So we have to be creative. So we post as our page that way if they interact with us, they're interacting with the page and then we can choose that as an audience for our ads. So starting in December, we did that. We were able to get new data now from our Facebook groups and we were tracking data better. We were really working hard at figuring out everyone's position on our team. And now there was someone on our team who's in charge of all the data. So we started to look at it every week. We had amazing engagement on our posts during December and the beginning of January. We were just so excited, but I mean, we didn't have a lot to compare it to. And then we started to notice this huge drop by February. Mm. It was like, we would, we would go from like 40,000 engagements on our posts per week down to like eight. We were like, oh my gosh, what happened? And we were really frustrated. We tried all kinds of different posts. We were trying to get those posts that would have like 500 comments again, like we were getting in December. Mm -hmm. And we even went to Facebook and we said, look, what's going on here? Why is our Facebook group? And they, they checked. They said, you're not doing anything wrong. You're producing great content. Don't know why you're not getting as much engagement on your posts because your group in general is getting more engagement. Yeah. And we were feeling frustrated about this. We would track it every week and we kind of laugh. Some weeks would go up a little and then others would just crash and we kind of laugh about it, but it was still bothering us. Well, two weeks ago when teachers stopped being at work all day, we noticed our numbers skyrocket mm -hmm. and it got us thinking where we were comparing December when teachers have two weeks off to February mm -hmm. when they 
are at school all day, every day, and have a whole lot less time to engage on social media. They're getting home at like six at night, feeding their kids, helping kids with homework, putting kids to bed, and then they're dead tired. So we had a lot less time to engage with them on social media. And so now we're wondering, and we'll find out once teachers do go back to school, we're wondering if we were comparing apples and oranges. Maybe it wasn't a problem. Maybe it was the true ebb and flow of our audience that when they are at work all day, they engage less than when they're at home. And so we might not have been looking at our data correctly this whole Mm. time. And that feels actually better to us to know that maybe we weren't doing anything wrong. Maybe Facebook wasn't punishing us. Maybe it literally was just our audience is more engaged during certain times of the year because they have more time. Yeah. It's interesting. And you guys are so good about your data. And I'm so glad that you were able to look at that, sort of kind of step back a little bit and look at it from a little bit higher, higher view and say, you know what? All right, maybe we're, maybe you are comparing apples to oranges. I want to kind of finish up here with just the question kind of we touched on earlier. Who in your mind do you think should and should not have a Facebook group? Because again, this comes up, this comes up a lot where, you know, people see, you know, someone like yourself and the success you're having with the Facebook group, uh, groups. And it's like, well, I should start one, you know, and maybe, but maybe not. Right. Who in your mind, in your experience in running these groups for a while now in massive groups, who should have one and who should not have one? Well, I don't think it's the first thing you should do in business. So if you are brand new to business, then probably the Facebook group isn't your first thing. Put it on your maybe later list because you need to get a Facebook page or an Instagram page up and running and start building some audience, some no like trust. Um, I already had a successful Facebook page. And so I was able to use my Facebook page to funnel people to my Facebook group. So I don't think it's for the brand new online entrepreneur, probably. I do think that Facebook groups take some time. So you do have to have a commitment to spend some time in your Facebook groups. But then I hear people who say, well, I really, really want a Facebook group, but I'm waiting until I have more time. And that gets me because you'll never have more than 24 hours a day ever. And that to me seems more like an excuse to get started. So I think the person who really needs it is the one who knows that their audience wants to collaborate with each other. They don't just want to hear Mm -hmm. your opinion about things, but they want to get together and talk amongst themselves, because that's what's missing from Facebook and Instagram is the connection between other people. So the person who really needs it is that person who has an audience who could learn from each other. And that's what happened for me. That's really what my groups are about. They like me, but they go in there because they know they're going to get hundreds of responses. If I respond to them, they're happy about that, but you know, they, they want everyone else's opinion too. Yeah. It's an amazing resource to get thousands of other people that are in the group there, like pose a question, Hey guys, you know, what do you recommend for this? Or I'm struggling with this or, Hey guys, I did this, you know, check it out. And they're going to get that community and that support. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. You want to know a fun way to up level your groups. If you're ready for that, we started experimenting with this and our audience loves this. We started gamifying our groups as much as possible. Okay. People love games. Mm -hmm. They just really do. I mean, look at your Facebook feed. It's like copy and paste this and put all the answers. And then then that'll give you a number and all these things. Like people like to play games with each other as long as they don't have to like get close to one another. So that's the idea of social media. So, and also people are competitive. Yeah. Right. 
So in order to get our audience to do the things we wanted them to do and to consume the content we wanted them to consume, we created games. And this can be super fun for that group that you feel like you have a group, but they're not truly engaging enough. Maybe you could put some fire under it. My favorite game to use this is bingo. It's easy to make a bingo board, guys. Like open up any word processing program and make yourself a grid, okay? Bingo. And inside each of the boxes, put something that you want them to do or consume. So for me, I might say, listen to podcast episode number 56 and leave a review, okay? And just things like that, like head over to the website and leave a comment on this blog post or post a question in this Facebook group that you would like others to answer. Answer someone's question in this Facebook group. Provide support to somebody. Give somebody um, a tip or just positivity. Okay, we put this into the grid. Think of as many, like the things you're like, I wish my audience would do X, Y, and Z. Put them into the grid. Then have a prize for it. And so I uploaded the PDF of the bingo board into my group. People downloaded it and they would just cross things off. It was not high tech guys. They would cross things off as they did it. No, I didn't go check because I don't have time for that business. And then when they got a bingo, they took a picture of themselves, the bingo board and posted it in my group. Nice. Then everyone was like, what the heck's that? Yeah. I want to do that too. And then at a certain point, we drew a winner from the people who posted pictures of the bingo board. We drew winners for swag that we know our audience really enjoys. And it was so much fun. And our audience is like, let's do that again. That was really cool. And I'm like, it was just me putting your homework into a grid, guys. And you didn't see through it. So look for ways to make a game, to make your group fun so that when people go on social media, they don't wait just to see you in the feed, but they literally search out your group to see what you're up to. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great place to wrap up. So much great stuff here. <laughs> As always, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, sharing your brilliance. And I'll be back on here some point again in the future with more updates on what's been going on. Because just like, I mean, every other niche that we're, that's going on in the online space is changing really quickly, but very much, especially in the teaching space. So thank you again. Where can people can connect with you? I know we talked about it on the last episode, but let's do that again. Where can, what's the best place for people to, we do have some teachers that listen to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Where can people connect with you on the teaching side? Where can they connect with you on the entrepreneurial side? All right. Um, Teachers can find me at notsowimpyteacher.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, notsowimpyteacher. And entrepreneurs can find me on Instagram at notsowimpyentrepreneur. And I have a podcast, notsowimpyentrepreneur. Nice. Love it. Guys, check those links out. Go connect with Jamie and her community. They're amazing. As you can tell right here, we talked all about the entrepreneurial side as well on the last episode that we did. I'll link everything up in the show notes for the episode here today. So Jamie, thank you so much again. Super appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. All right. So good with Jamie as always. Hey, don't forget, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I've created a brand new eight-week group coaching program called the strategy sessions. And this is for those of you who need to huddle together right now to create an action plan for your business and act as the powerful leaders that you are in the midst of increased uncertainty that we are facing. It's eight weeks of weekly group coaching and classes and a members-only Facebook group. And it's really designed with you and your business right now in mind. Topics are going to include managing your CEO mindset, 
creating a 90-day plan for business growth, planning for productivity, how to pivot your messaging and offer fast, how to navigate crisis and the money chaos today, email copy that sells with service and love, and a whole lot more. Okay. In addition to my self-teaching, you're also going to be learning from guest experts who will also be teaching these classes. This is open to the first 50 people who join. And so you can go to rickmulready.com forward slash strategy sessions to register. Again, it's rickmulready.com forward slash strategy sessions. And you can register right there for this new eight-week group coaching program and classes. All right. Coming up here in the podcast, I've got another quick tip episode coming your way. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in today. I super appreciate you. Stay well, my friends, and I'll talk to you very soon. Do you want to avoid the seven biggest mistakes that burn through course creators' ad money? I see these over and over and over again, and I put them together in a mini email series. This is not fluff. Each of the seven mistakes, I also have a recorded video tutorial showing you inside of Facebook Ad Manager how to fix those mistakes. This is good, solid, and it will save you money or help you make more money with your Facebook ads click down in the show notes below. You'll see the link and you can go download it right now for free.